them. Get up. They're after us. We ain't got a minute to lose. I ain't got all the provisions aboard yet. Forget that. Just shove her out. Now lay into that pole, Jim. Look out for me. Oh, muddy water. Your mysteries are deep and wide. And I got a need for going someplace. And I got a need to climb upon your back and drive. Hey everybody, welcome to the Pre-Accident Investigation Podcast. I'll be your host. How's that sound? Is that sound are you fine with that? Is that sounds good? It is a beautiful day for me. I don't know what it's like for you, but for me it is a, a gorgeous day. And uh I have kind of a fun project. Well, I think it's fun. I mean, it's definitely, it, it, um, it piqued my interest. That's for sure. And so today's podcast, we're going to talk a little bit about W-A-I-W-A-D. That's what the smart kids call it. Work is imagined versus work is actually done. You could maybe call it the blue line, black line. That's what we call it for a million years at Los Alamos. Seriously, like um, 25 years. Eric Hallangle talks about it a lot, uh, a bunch. In fact, he's done some incredibly heavy lifting intellectually and some pretty nice publishing around this idea of work is imagined versus work is done. And it's a very interesting topic because it's, um, it's, it's, it's quite embraced. And I guess I'll just be honest with you. What I find most interesting about the topic is how surprised often management is and how different the actual work is from the way they think the actual work is. I mean, it won't surprise you, and it doesn't surprise not nary a one person who works in production or operations. I mean, they're not surprised at all. But it's kind of amazing, and I think the idea is, and we'll talk about this, but I think the idea is is that the perceived way we think work is done, which is the one right way to do the work, clearly. I mean, hello, <laughs> Do you not see that I'm a manager, right? That is kind of how we think work happens, but it doesn't. And so let me tell you why we're into this and why we're having this conversation, because there's a very special reason why this is happening. And it involves a man named Ted Finley. And if you don't know Ted, and you probably do know him because he's quite famous, he's the one that we affectionately and with great respect call Tugboat Ted. Because that's his job. Ted spent most of his career as a riverboat mariner, a, a vessel master, a, a riverboat guy, right? On the mighty Mississippi. And the reason this even comes up is because I did that goofy little safety moment a couple weeks ago, perhaps you remember it, where I talked about the principles like riverbanks. And, and I think that's actually a really good metaphor and I heard somebody talking about it that way in the midst of a, of a, a, a discussion we were having, and I really kind of glommed onto it, and I think I, that's a good thing to share because that, that'll help people learn and improve and understand. And it kind of does put a different sense of definition around this idea of a principle. Because a principle is something that is true, and yet the idea that it's true is really dependent upon the context in which you uh, view it correctly, right? And so... The riverbank metaphor is pretty good because it sort of gives direction 
to the flow of the organization, right? And so that was the entire point of that. No big deal, just a little, you know, drop it in, have a conversation, see what happens. Well, lo and behold, I get this really stunning and interesting letter back from our buddy Tugboat Ted. And Tugboat Ted helped me remember that if the river banks are a metaphor for principles, then the river itself must therefore be, you're going to not be surprised, a metaphor for the organization. Well, yeah, of course, Ted, I didn't make that connection because, well, I, I'm too busy thinking about riverbanks. But a river man, you're going to think about the river. And it's true, right? I mean, the river is a really good metaphor for your organization. It's constantly in motion. It's a complex environment. It meets all those tests. It's never the same twice. In fact, you never enter the same river twice. The river is constantly changing, constantly moving. It exists to perform a purpose. I mean, it meets every single test. And that's where Ted offered up a very interesting and important piece of information. And that, my friends is where the pod's going to begin. And then we'll talk more about this as we progress through. But let me share with you a very interesting notation I received from our friend, Tugboat Ted. Hey, Toddster, I just listened to your safety moment on principles and riverbanks. I love that metaphor, as I'm sure enough a lower Mississippi river man. And I think this metaphor can be further developed in that in Mark Twain's time, the river was always changing, a black line, blue line kind of thing. You might enjoy the following excerpt from Twain's Life on the Mississippi. Thanks again, as it made me think of my beloved river, the Mississippi River, the great brown god. The Mississippi is remarkable in still another way. Its disposition to make prodigious jumps by cutting through narrow rocks and necks of land and thus straightening and shortening itself, more than once it has shortened itself 30 miles at a single jump. Now these cutoffs have had curious effects. They've thrown several river towns out into the rural districts and built up sandbars and forests right in front of them. The town of Delta used to be three miles below Vicksburg. A recent cutoff has radically changed the position, and Delta is now two miles above Vicksburg. Both of these river towns have been retired to the country by that very cutoff. Now, a cutoff plays havoc with the boundary lines and jurisdictions. For instance, a man is living in the state of Mississippi today, a cutoff occurs tonight, and tomorrow the man finds himself and his land over on the other side of the river, within the boundaries and subject to the laws of the state of Louisiana. Such a thing happening in the upper river in the old times could have transferred a slave from Missouri to Illinois and made him a free man. Take care, my friend. Talk about Ted. And that was the letter. I pretty much read it exactly the way he wrote it to me because, um, you know, I love Tugboat Ted, but also I love Mark Twain, Samuel Clemens. And what I really like is any time 
the world serendipitous what's the word serendipitously serendipitous serendipitously serendipitously i think i'm going with that anyway collides and the idea of this river metaphor which is maybe too romantic for workforces and maybe wouldn't work well if you're talking to senior leaders but i think it's great for us because it's true the notion that the organization is constantly changing i i actually think can give great amounts of discomfort to people within the organization i'm certainly seeing it as it relates to to leadership teams and one of the things that's so valuable about this metaphor of a river the great brown god man that's romantic that or that idea of the mississippi the big muddy right is that it's constantly in motion but it in fact serves a purpose and that because that that river is constantly in motion it's impossible for you to enter or exit the same river twice and that idea is powerful it's really powerful but the idea that the river is constantly changing which is Mark Twain's comment that Tugboat Ted brought into that, and that a jump can mean actually significant difference to the overall river, cutting miles off or changing the location of cities, or in the time that Samuel Clemens wrote this, changing this idea of a free man and a slave. There's powerful consequence to this idea of the blue line. The constantly work is done. The the constantly changing, ever adaptive, complex nature of emergent work. And that the consequences, both positive and negative, are significant is a powerful, powerful idea that's not ours. <laughs> I mean we could act like it's ours. I'm fine with it. But near as I could tell, Mark Mark Twain was thinking about it, you know, a hundred years before us. And this idea that we work with organizations to help them understand how work is done is really powerful. And to me, the significance of the adaption, the significance of the variability, the significance of the blue line or, or the work is done line, I think we often underplay it. Well, in fact, I know we often underplay it. What we want to say is that it's wrong, is that it, you you need to not do that. You need to do work as we imagined it should be done. There's one right way to do a job. The procedure clearly is the right way. And so, therefore, safety and reliability and profitability exists on paper, except that if you're a, a riverboat captain, that's not true. And it reminds me of the idea, and we've talked about it before, but it's the idea that the map is not the terrain. That the map of the river is not going to be the river you navigate. Although it is, it's the river you navigate. But the river you navigate is different than the river that's symbolically represented administratively on the map. And that's how we want to think about work. I mean, that that's the idea of thinking about how work happens and how work gets done. And and what we do with that information and where we take it. And the consequence of understanding that changes can have big potential impacts, that's part of what we help organizations translate in all the work we do. 
and I'll say it a million times because it seems like it's the only thing I ever say. But to me, the amazing thing about the work is done is that it's represented every single day by the people who do the work. And the only way you can truly understand the river is to talk to the people who navigate it. You can study the map all day long. You can study the chart until you're blue in the face. And blue was a purposeful analogy to the blue line. You can study the blue in the face blue line as much as you want to. But really, the access we have to workers who do the work, who can tell you where the river's jumped its banks or where it's cut off delta and moved at 30 miles behind trees and sandbars or where it's shallow or where it's deep. And that idea of constantly accessing the actual, practical, real-time, variation-filled information, that's good news. That's not bad news. I mean, near as I can tell, that's everything. When something bad happens, you want to talk to the people who navigated the river. But the very same thing is true when something good happens. When something good happens, you're still navigating the river. There's still sandbars and shallows and cutoffs. All the things that Mark Twain spoke so eloquently of are still in the process. They didn't go away. I mean, it's not like those disappeared. They didn't disappear at all. They're still there. And our job is to consciously, creatively, and humbly go out and gather that information. And that's where you start looking at what Ron Gant talks about all the time. Uh, dear Ron Gant, or, or Eric Hallnagel, those guys who start to say, let's look at work that's done typically. Let's look at work that's done normally. And the river metaphor is perfect for this because everything that means you have to navigate the river is still in the river. It's just the outcome is successful. We can learn from where we had to navigate, especially tricky or interesting or risky or critical places. Tugboat Ted did us a favor. He did us a solid as Tugboat Ted is, is used to doing. He's, this is not a surprise if you know him. What he did was make us think about the river in a different way. And then I was able to grab some sound from the 1999 Broadway musical Big River, which was written as you know kind of a bluegrass Broadway show, so of course I'm into it because that's how it works, and put a little soundtrack together to really talk about this idea that we've been on. And it's interesting, you guys, because this summer, at least in North America, and I wonder if this is an outcome of the pandemic, but it, I don't know if you're noticing all the things I've been talking about have this idea of voyage, riverbank, river, constant change. I mean, I didn't put all this together until I started to put this podcast together as my Tugboat Ted tribute, pardon the alliteration, but I wonder if this is actually a function of where we've been in the 15, 16, 17 months of pandemic, of uncertainty, of quarantine, of working from home, of not seeing people or talking to people or, or working diligently to find ways to connect to workers in the field who are still essentially out there doing the work they have to do. I wonder if part of what's coming up in our world is an understanding, a better appreciation is probably a better way to say that, of the actual journey that we've been on, the voyage 
that we're currently taking and how we talk about and understand things like the principles as riverbanks or the rivers, the organization, or the fact that the river's constantly in a state of change and that it's our job to navigate that change because we don't get to control that change. I mean, that's the big message to me out of the Mississippi River in North America is say what you want to, go crazy, be as powerful and as tough as you can be. But if it's ever a contest between you and the river, the river's going to win. I mean, nature always bats last. And to a great extent, that's true of the variation and variability that our people deal with in whatever work they do. This idea that variation always is present and that variability, unplanned events, uncertainty, whatever we want to call it, depending on what the week is, that's always present and we don't control it. We don't have the ability to control it. And I think understanding the river helps us build a pretty good case for talking to our organization about the fact that we really don't know the future. We can't predict the future very well. I mean, we're not very good at it. We got lots of proof of that. And this idea that if somehow predicting the future allows us to control the future runs directly against the power of the river. The organization itself is going to go where it's going to go. There's going to be cutoffs and turnoffs, and there's going to be changes that happen. We know that's the case. I mean, that's not a mystery. That's the Mississippi, the great brown God. What our job is, is to successfully, effectively, and efficiently navigate that river. And near as I can tell, the only way we can do that is by actually understanding the blue line, the work as imagined. And knowing that the river banks help us understand what contains the blue line, but they're constantly in flux. And the blue line's going to go where the blue line's going to go. And our job is to be there and help navigate the voyage so that the outcome is that we move forward. That's an interesting idea, a really interesting idea. And that, my friends, I think, unless I'm really wrong, is exactly what Mark Twain wrote about. I think it's also what Ted Finley wrote about, and I think it's what we do for a living. Navigate the river. Understand work is imagined, the map, and work is done, the river. And knowing the difference between those two is normal, is always present, and is super interesting. And then realizing that we can learn much from the normal daily navigational trips we take down that river, because that will help us understand how the river is currently changing. We maybe not be able to predict the future. I'll grant you that one. But we can certainly understand the present better. And that is the journey on the great brown god the mighty Mississippi so what do you think my friends huh yes that was the pod for today 
I love these little shorty ones. I mean, I owe you 10 minutes, so I'm, I'm fully aware of that. But I don't know. This one was fun because I got to do a lot of production work and put little music beds underneath stuff and that kind of stuff. That was fun. It was interesting. But I think even more fun is that it's, it's directly related to just the feeling and thoughts we have as a community. This one isn't about what I'm thinking. Oh no, en contraire, mon frere. This is really about what we're thinking. And I think it's a great thing to think about. It's fun. Uh, special thanks. Thanks for listening. It means a lot to me. I've told you this before, but it seems like it'd be stupid to do this if you didn't listen. Uh, it'd be a gigantic waste of time, although I'd get to sit to talk to myself. Although that's kind of what our jobs are now, isn't it? We just sit in front of our computer and talk to ourselves. At least that's what it seems like. I don't know. But thanks for being a part of the pod. Tell your friends. Pass it along. Use any of it you want to. It's all of it. I don't care. I mean, go crazy. Copy it. Whatever you want to do. Use it. Use it. Use it. Use it. Subscribe. Smash the like button. You know, I don't know know if there is a like button, but if there is one, smash it. I don't know about you, but I got the new upgrade on my phone, and now I can't find any of my podcasts. Thanks great brains who design software to make it harder to actually use, but nonetheless, it's a part of it. But that's it. That's the story for today. Thanks for being a part of it. Hang out. I'm sure I'm going to have quite a bit to tell you. I've got a couple big adventures, got a big bike trip coming up. So I'll give you uh, some feedback on that as well. But until then, my friends, thank you for being a part of the podcast. Learn something new every single day. Bet you kind of did today. Got a big old Samuel Clemens, Mark Twain quote in the middle of it. Have as much fun as you possibly can. Be kind to each other. That's important. Check in on one another. I need to get after that. I haven't been doing a very good job of that. And most importantly, and above all, be safe.